All right, welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. And we are here with a very, very, very special guest, man. He is projected to go first round, top 15 picks in tomorrow's MLB draft. It is former Oklahoma Sooner, my boy, man missile, Cade Cavalli. What is up, Cade? What's up? What's up? Appreciate you. And, and the thing is here... Um, people, what they're not going to realize is we had to do this twice. So the first time we did this last week, our Skype, you're dead to me. I might have to switch over to Zoom. Didn't save it. Skype kind of sewered me here. So yeah. we had to do this again. So people listening, just know that me and Kate are really putting in the man hours here to provide content for you guys. Just, just believe that. So what have you been up to since, I guess, we talked last week? What have you been doing? I'm just kind of doing the same thing, staying in my routines a little bit. I got to go to the lake this weekend, which was a blast. Um, one of my buddies got a boat, so we got to take it out. Um, you know, just a little little privacy time before everything goes down, a little craziness. But, um, you know, the Zoom calls, they've toned down a little bit. Um, so it's go time. Tomorrow's the day. Um, everyone's crazy excited. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. Have you done any podcast or am I, am I, did I get like kind of for like a little monopoly on Cade Cavalli? Did I get that? Yeah, you did. I, I, I think you're the first podcast I've done. Um, I might've done like some zoom calls. I've done like news stuff and then the MLB network podcast, but, uh, just radio shows, but this is like legit the first podcast I've been on. Well, you see that, like, listeners of this show, man, this is what we do here, all right? This is like, we treat this as a business, all right? Kate is an investor. He's a guy that's going to be a big dog in the future, maybe a $100 million man, and we're getting him here at, at his roots. But like I was saying, man, I mean, you're, you're a day out from the draft. It's tomorrow, one of the biggest days of literally any athlete's life, the day they get drafted. Yeah, man, like, what's been, what's been running through your head, like, as you get closer and closer to the draft? Because the talk, you were a little bit, like... You were calm. I mean, you were just anxious and excited to get the day over with, just to see where you're going and stuff. But where, where's your hat at, kind of now, man? You nervous? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm truly not nervous. It's just, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and like legit, I just put it all in God's hands. So, like, I'm at peace with it. You know, it's just gonna be a fun day for me and my family, um, and my friends, and that's really I'm looking forward to. It. I'm ready to just get the journey going, and I mean, that's really all that's on my mind is just. I, mean, I want to go play ball, and wherever I get picked, I get picked. Um, the money's not a huge deal to me. It's just, you know, I want I want the right fit with the right ball club, and that's what I've been praying for. So, so we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Like like I was saying, the biggest thing with the MLB draft is you kind of want to you kind of want to get go to a team with that's the right fit, right? I mean, going to an organization with like fifty pitcher, like fifty pitchers, and like all their all of them are like top prospects. It's kind of tough to kind of grind through that. And you kind of see that with the Atlanta Braves, man. The Atlanta Braves have a lot of prospects, and a lot of them are pitchers. If you're a pitcher in that organization, it's kind of tough to move up. Um, the thing, Yeah, you want to go to a team with a, with a good fit, right? So have you kind of in your head played out a situation? Like if I go here, I'll have a better chance of kind of flying through the system. Or if I go here, if I go there, have you been thinking about that? Um, I mean, honestly, that, that hadn't really gone through my head. Whenever I was talking about the right fit, it was kind of more just like the right people get around the right coaches because, I mean, development's huge for me right now. Um, like, like we talked about earlier um, in the last podcast, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm kind of new to the whole pitching thing. I mean, it's been really two years of just focusing on pitching. So, I mean, I'm still in 
a huge development stage. Um, I want to be around the right people and get the best out of me. But, uh, I mean, and, and, you know, the organization has a lot of pitchers. Um, so what? You know, that's just more competition. I feel like I'll go get better in that environment as well. And, I mean, they're going to push whoever's doing good, and that, that's how it should be. Um, and then, I mean, if they're pushing whoever's doing good, um, you're probably going to end up having a good ball club and get a chance to go win a World Series. And um, So that's how I look at that. Most people kind of have an idea when you're younger, like this guy's going to be a first-round draft pick. This guy's going to go high in the draft. Did you kind of have that idea when you were younger, like, you know what, man, I probably have a pretty good chance here to go pretty high in the major league draft and maybe be a big leaguer someday. Like, did you dominate in every age group? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was different for me. So whenever I was like younger, younger, um, I mean, it, I was a lot bigger than everyone else. And it was a uh, kind of complete domination in my age group. I say that very humbly, but, um, and then I was an extremely late bloomer. So, you know, that 13 to 16 age range for me, um, I didn't grow a whole lot. And everyone else was just growing and growing. And I kind of stayed the same a little bit just because I was a late bloomer. Um, I, I went to high school at like 5'8", 5'9", 150, came out at 6'4", 230. So there was a lot of growth going through that. Um, but what I really focused on throughout my whole, like every, every development stage for me, it was purely just skill because I had a great, great mind in my house with my father. I mean, he's been in baseball forever. And he just, he was just keep telling me, you know, keep working on your skill, keep working on your skill. The strength will come, the strength will come. And that, that's exactly what I did. And then the strength came and, uh, and then it played out pretty well. Yeah, no, it's just like growing up, you kind of see both sides of the, of the, of the map. I guess you could say if that even makes sense. You kind of see kids that are just nasty when they're younger, like me. And then they get to the older age and they hit 187 in a D1 Juco in Nebraska. Like, and then you get the kids that aren't that good when they're younger. And then you see them five years down the road. They're supposed to go first round top 15 picks. Right. Like that. You kind of see both extremes of that, man. But when you were, when you were even in high school, did you even kind of have an idea? Like, listen, man, like I'm probably gonna go to a pretty good D1 here, Oklahoma, and I'm going to have a really good chance here to go top like first round. Yeah. Yeah, I for sure had that in my head. I think a lot of people did as well. Um, you know, I, I got some talent in this arm, thankfully, that God gave me. Um, I feel like I got a pretty good head on my shoulders. And when you got those two, I think that um, a lot of things can play out very well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had it in my head. It's been a goal of mine. I mean, I, I write my goals down every year. and It was top three draft pick pretty much since – top three like overall since like high school I mean I felt like I could do that and going out of high school um I didn't get to play my senior year but going into my senior year I was projected pretty high um like if I would have went and did did what I could do if I probably, I think I could have gotten in the first round out of high school um and then I landed on campus and and you know just kind of kept building up so it was best for me to go land on a campus especially with that the staff and being able to go to OU where my dad played and it, it was just kind of home for me. So it, it was the best, best case scenario. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, I always recommend like people call me an idiot, like for not wanting to sign out of high school, like just take the million out of high school because at the end of the day, man, that money, I, people are going to roast me for this. The, the money's not going to last forever. Like why right. not go to Oklahoma 
where you get to go there for three years, party, wheel. You get to be the face of a D1 university. And then go dra- get drafted with three years of education instead of just going out of high school. If something happens, you're kind of screwed, right? I mean, going the education route, yes, yes, it yes, it sucks to be sitting in like a sociology class when you should when you know you're going to be a first round draft pick. But like going to a university for me makes a little bit more sense. Do you like just based on that? Like speaking on that, do you think that if you could do it all over again? you would tell yourself and you would tell those kids that you kind of grew up with, like, listen, man, like go to school first. Like, was, is that what you would tell, like give a draft prospect advice? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that that decision depends on. I mean, I think if a kid is ready out of high school, think about it. You're getting to go start your pro career at 18. And I mean, that, that's how the kids that are, you know, that are elite, um, they'll get in the bigs at 20 years old, 21 years old. And he'd still be in college during those years. And, um, but so I, I think it depends a lot. Um, they also got to be pretty mature, I think, to go out of high school. Um, can't be an idiot. Um, but for a, a lot of iffy, even if you, you know, if you, if you get offered a million dollars out of high school, that's, think about it, that's a ton of money. You can put that money to work and be set, be set possibly. But you're right, it doesn't last forever. Um, but, also, I mean, I, I would recommend going to college because you get a lot of relationships that you wouldn't have been able to have. You get um, a ton of connections. You get to go play for a university. Um, you know, it's you're on a college campus. It's an awesome feel. It's a very team-oriented environment. And I know in minor league ball, um, it's not quite like that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you get the, you get the college experience and – I mean, there's a lot of great things that come with college, but so it really depends on what kind of kid it is coming out of high school. Um, but I mean, if you know, if you're coming out of high school, getting offered for four million, that, that's hard to pass up because you always yeah. got free risk and all that. But I mean, you know, the let's say seven hundred thousand dollar range, and you know that you're not at the top of your ceiling, you got a lot to go prove. Um, I, I would 100% recommend going to college. I was kind of in that same situation. So I, I was getting offered, you know, 800 grand coming out of high school, didn't sign. And I just felt like I could go get way better in those next three years, prove some stuff. And, you know, I, if I stayed healthy, it was going to be very well. And I, I got to stay healthy pretty much my whole college career. And, um, you know, tomorrow we'll find out if it pays off or not. Oh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I might have to – I might have to just – I'm going to put this on the record. I want to guarantee it. It's going to pay off tomorrow, my man. I mean, look at it. I mean, look at you right now. You're living the dream here. You're just chilling on your porch, I'm assuming, or backyard, wearing that. And people who can't see this, he has his hair all done up. He's looking good. He has a nice little Oklahoma Nike shirt that Oklahoma should probably send to me, maybe figure that out, OU. But it's just he just, he just I mean, he looks good. He's a first round. He's just all ready for tomorrow, man. So people, people probably listening, they're probably saying, this guy has to be nervous. He's not nervous, man. This man's cool as a cucumber, ready to go into tomorrow for that MLB draft, man. It's going to be, it is good. Honestly, let me tell you this from my standpoint, because you're obviously, you're going to have to be sober and all that stuff. I'm going to guarantee you that I'll drink for you. I'm going to celebrate your accomplishment tomorrow for you. I'm going to get uncomfortably blackout drunk to celebrate my friend Cade going first round. So just so just soak it in, man. Just know I'm going to be mangled. Appreciate the support. That's hilarious. Appreciate yeah, it. And I want to talk about the draft party. You have, I mean, Cole, our, our boy Cole's going to be there. 
Um, let, let's talk about what, what what's the outfit you think Cole's gonna be wearing? I think he's gonna overdo it. Maybe a little ripped pants, a little light blue jeans, something like that. On a, yeah. Some... I mean, you know, it, you really never know what's gonna happen. You never know what he's gonna walk down the stairs with. Um, <laughs> it's it's it honestly can go either way. You know, he's got he's got his cowboy look, which comes out very rarely, but it's it's a good look for him. He can go rocket. You know, he's from Spyro, Oklahoma. He's got those roots, so he can go the cowboy. Cowboy way, you know, boots and jeans, nice shirt, very classy. Um, or, you know, he, he can get that drip going. He can put on some J's, get his skinny jeans with the rips, you know, his Dior shirt or Louie or whatever he's going to rock. Um, so it, it can go both ways. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I think everyone in the party is excited to see it. So it'll for sure be a grand entrance from Cole Franklin. And I don't know if this is a chirp or just hilarious. I think he's the long lost. Paul brother like it, it goes Jake Paul Logan Paul Cole Franklin like they all do they all just not kind of look the same to you like the curly yeah. hair the style no doubt they got same hair I don't I don't think, I don't think Cole's on their uh their le- level of whatever I think Cole's a little more classy than them <laughs> yeah Cole. like I said man Cole's one yeah. of those guys that if I had a girlfriend, I let you say I wouldn't. I wouldn't want her anywhere around Cole Franklin because she'd leave me. That, that, that that's my standpoint with Cole. Cole's Cole's got it going on, you know. He's got everything everything working for him. True, true. He really does, man. And and yeah. uh, what's your draft party going to be like tomorrow? Obviously, I don't know if the laws are in Oklahoma are a little bit different than they are here in Canada or Ontario. They're allowing more than ten people to be together. I think starting Friday. What's kind of be what's what's your what's your draft party gonna be like? Like who what what's the guest list look like? Yeah, I got I got like thirty people coming. Um, it's just my core group, um, of friends, and I got a bunch of family members coming in. But um, you know they they kind of opened everything up here in Oklahoma. Uh, I don't think they want more than I, I don't know like fifty or something. But you know you got to keep your social distancing with what's going on. You know it's still going on even though it seems like it's all kind of toned down a little bit um, a couple weeks ago or last week we Oklahoma had like the highest number of cases it's had since it happened so we're like you know we, we still got to be safe but yeah it's gonna be like 30 people and just my core group of people um, it's gonna be a good time oh yeah dude like I said if the border was open here I, I'd have to drive down like I'd be I don't know how far dude, we'd love to I, don't, have- I, I don't know how far Oklahoma is from Ontario someone maybe just let me know on the t- on the t- on Twitter or something like that I'm assuming it's pretty far but I'd make the drive down. I mean, I don't, I don't trust the airports right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the airport. I'd probably make the drive down in one yeah, day. I agree. Those airports are, yeah, 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 they're nasty. They're nasty. And and when you're at Oklahoma, being a guy that's just a highly touted prospect on MLB Network, getting featured by all these kind of things on my on TV. I saw you. What when you're st- when you're on the mound? Over under like fifty. How many radar guns did you see behind home plate when you're at Oklahoma? It had to just be incredible, dude. Um, yeah, I mean there was there's quite a few. Um, it's crazy. So, I mean, a lot of scouts still carry radar guns and stuff. Um, but you know the technology these days, they get access to pretty much any any data they want from any game. Uh, a lot of a lot of fields they have um, TrackMan. Um, field scope, um, but it's, so they get access. But yeah, that, I saw quite a few guns. Um, I try not to pay attention to it. Uh, I get to lock in on my catcher and just lock in on the game. But I mean, in between innings, you know, you 
you'll see you'll see some guns pop up or something. Um, but I, I remember in high school. In high school, it was a lot worse. So I only got to, like I didn't get to play my senior year. I got, I got I came back for the last two weeks. So it was like every scout was trying to come in and like get a look, and it was just dudes coming in left and right, and there'd be you know anywhere from 60 to 70 scouts, like, a game, and they all be lined up on the fence. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a young high school kid. I'm like, oh, I got to go throw this 100 miles an hour. And I'm just pressing, you know, I'm nervous. And I just kind of – I took the exact opposite approach this year. Um, I let my preparation off the field do whatever. You know, I was like, I'm just going to go work hard, whatever happens on the field. I don't really care about – the scouts in the stands, um, you know, I just wanted to go have fun and compete with my brothers, and that, that was it. And I just remember in high school, it was a completely opposite feeling. I was like, I got to go show them I can hit this ball 500 feet, throw it 100 miles an hour. It wasn't true. You know, they just wanted to go see me play, and I was pressing a ton. And, like, I mean, that's the advice I give to prospects coming out of high school, you know, just go play and have fun with it. It was a lot easier for me to do after I'd been through it one time. Um, but – you know, it's just you got to go have fun with it and let the preparation take care of whatever it's going to be. Yeah, it's it just like I couldn't even imagine the nerves that are probably running through a, a, a high school kid, like a junior in high school's head yeah. when there's like a sea, like an ocean of scouts behind home plate, man. And when yeah. you're like and be honest here, when you were maybe this year, or even in high school, was a little part of you saying, I got to add a little juice to this. I don't give a shit where this ball's going. Like, I, I just got to I got to hit. I got to hit 100 here. Yeah, I was like, you know, I would see radar guns and, like, sometimes I would be like, oh, you know, there's not even a batter in there. I'm just going to try to throw this ball as hard as I can. Like, if it hits the dude, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to show off my arm. But, I mean, and then you also, you got the, you got to go compete. But that's what I'm saying. You know, there was a lot of growth mentally and mature maturity-wise that I just, I just really didn't care this year um, that there was a scout or not. I was just going to go be myself and – like I said, let the preparation I did off the field and on the field just take care of itself. And I wish I would have known that in high school. Um, but, you know, you, you grow for a reason. You got to learn from those mistakes. So that's it. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're definitely right on that, man. It's like you can't overdo it, I guess, because then they'll be like, all right, like now we got to expect 100 from this guy every appearance because you just <laughs> threw 100 like uh, like three times. Yeah. And 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 when when there's a lot of scouts there, I always wondered this with guys. Like, do scouts try to get to know you personally, like kind of in a not a weird way, but are they like, "Hey, Cade, how's it going, Cade?" Like, just like just just being kind of just trying to like overdo it, like getting to know you, just to try to talk to you at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's overdoing it. I think a lot of scouts have a good feel. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I, if I was putting in a lot of money into a guy, I, I would want to know where he's at mentally, what kind of person he is. So they, they're for sure always trying to get to know me. Um, we just had little meetings throughout the fall. And, you know, it was face-to-face then before the pandemic happened. And they were, they were awesome meetings. You know, they last about an hour. And just be just talking as people. Um, it's about your family, about what you like to do. Um, a little baseball talk here and there. But, yeah, they, I mean, they're for sure trying to get a feel of who you are as a person. Um, and then – like I, like I said, you know, there's a right fit with a ball club sometimes. Sometimes people don't fit into an organization all that well. And those scouts, they have a really good feel of what kind of people they want into their organization. And I think a lot of them, they, you know, they want a solid dude. And um, they, they try to go find that information. Um, 
I, I know they call like my high school coach and like high school principal, um, just like asking, you know, that, that was me four years ago, but you know, they're always wondering what my background's like, you know, trying to get to know me inside and out. And, um, I mean, they're just doing their job trying to get to, and think about it. They're putting on, putting in a lot of money. So they don't, they don't want it to be a bust where they just get some knucklehead in their organization doing all that crazy crap, you know? Yeah. Well, what's the, I don't know if like major leaguers kind of go through this process where they have to go through like a questionnaire, but what's the weirdest question that you kind of been asked by a scout? Like just like a random question that you're like, okay, I mean, I guess I'll answer this, but I don't really understand what this means. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the toughest question I got asked was like, do people find you annoying? And if so, (laughs) and I was like, I mean, I hope not. Like, I hope not. I was like, I think you have to ask them if I'm annoying because I was like, no one's ever like told me I'm annoying, but like, I think you need to go ask my buddies and stuff. I was like, I'm sure I can be annoying at moments, but like, as a person, like a whole person, like, I don't think I'm annoying. But so that that was a tough question. I was like, I really didn't know how to answer. I was like, I hope not. Like, (laughs) that's all I had for him. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't really answer that. Like, I, like, what do they expect you to say? Like, just be like, yeah, honestly, man, like, a lot of my teammates hate me. So, like, yeah. if, you, if you're looking about taking a chance. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny, just some of the stuff. Because you, you yeah. hear it with, the, uh, like, the NHL draft, the NFL draft, all those kind of stuff. And I wanted to kind of go into the, the whole aspect of the draft. Like, do you consider yourself one of the most unlucky people on the planet? First of all, let me let me just go into it here. Your junior year of high school, you, your baseball season gets cut short. This is the year you're supposed to just ball out. Your junior year gets cut short. The MLB draft, you get drafted. You can't fly down to the ballpark that the team is the team is playing in and see visit the fans, meet everyone because the season's canceled. You can't. I mean. You can't go to – I mean, you can't see the commissioner in New York even if you wanted to. You can't do any of that stuff. So do you kind of consider this like, what the hell, man? Like, I, I'm just getting, like, eight different bad bounces going my way here. I mean, I, I wouldn't consider myself the most unlucky man. You know, I'm still getting a chance to, you know, get drafted and stuff like that. You know, it's very it's very rare um, for a lot of people. And – but, I mean – like you said, you know, there's some fun stuff you get to go do. You, like, go to the ballpark and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm for sure going to – I I was looking forward to that. That would have been a lot of fun. Get to know the fans, like, see the ballpark. You know, you get to walk in there and be like, one day I'm going to be right here. Um, those kind of feelings that, you know, I'm going to miss out on. But I'm sure the, I'm sure the organization, they'll, they'll, they'll make something up, you know. Um, but – I, I couldn't ever consider myself an unlucky man in this situation. I'm, I'm actually very, very grateful. Um, but it, it, there's some sucky things that are coming along with this pandemic, no doubt. And, dude, I think we just need to get the, the season going. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot to that. But it, yeah. it, it's for sure tough. And I talked about this with Nate Pearson, which is the interview that's coming up next. And I, I asked him, I was like, what are your thoughts on, I guess, there only being five rounds? Like, what, what in your aspect, what would you do if you were a guy that that didn't get drafted in the five rounds? Would you sign for that 20,000, man? Just or would you kind of go back to school? Because 20,000 in the sixth round is usually like sixth round, you kind of get like 100k, right? Oh, so no doubt. yeah, you can get probably up to 250 or 300 sometimes in that sixth round, and people are gonna be missing out on that. It's crazy tough. Um, 
actually I have, I have a couple buddies, you know, that were like the fourth to eighth round is where they're like evaluated at. And if they don't go, um, you know, it's going to be very tough. It's, you know, you're talking about a difference of 150 K probably. And you get to go back and a lot of them are very close to graduating. So you got the education part, getting a degree. And you also get to go compete at your college one more time. Um, so I think that, I think it depends on a lot on the guy. Um, like I, I actually have a buddy who just had Tommy John. So he, let's say he goes back to college. He's not gonna be able to pitch next season. And he, he'll be around 22 and a half, almost 23 years old in the next draft he's a part of, right? And I mean, he could, he could sign for that 20K easily. Um, he was gonna be a top three rounder this year. Um, um, he absolutely just throws Ched. And, uh, but he can go sign for that 20K, get in an organization, have great rehab in that organization, um, be, be at the complex, get to know the people, instead of waiting almost a whole two years, then have to go through the draft process again. Um, but I, like for, for guys that are just had Tommy John, I, I would personally, I would sign for that 20K. I mean, it depends a lot on the guy. But then you also look at, like, like I, I know a guy who's probably going to be a Friday night guy somewhere next year. And um, he could go sign for that 20K or he'd go pitch on Fridays. And he's very close to getting a degree. Um, so that, that degree might outweigh that 20K. And, I mean, he's going to go get to put his college jersey on one more time, which I would have loved to do. You know, our season got cut. sucks. Um, and he's going to be on a really good ball club. So, I mean, I think that if I was in his situation, it, it would be very tough to go sign for that 20K right now. Um, but – you never know. I mean, it, you you want to get your pro career started, but you also you're you're close to a degree. Um, it's a, it's there's a lot of things that that it depends on, but you know, it's a tough situation, no doubt. It, it's just insane. Like I, I just find it crazy that you can just go from the draft having 45 rounds, I believe it is, to five. Ooh. Like that is like in, insane. It, it, honestly, to me, it doesn't even make sense because these guys, you still have a pretty good resume of the draft picks like they played from their freshman to junior year right so why kind of take that away from the kids i i don't know man i'm not smart enough to kind of calculate this shit i have no idea but uh i I wanted to bring up something else here you played for team usa and i wanted to say thank you for your service serving your country team usa um what was that experience like for you there with team usa man it must have just been incredible it was awesome um you know being around that kind of competition and that that camp we went to initially to see who made the team and all that. But it was so competitive and, you know, you're, you're around the top, top college guys. And a lot of us hadn't been around each other and you're getting to meet different characters and get different relationships. So that, that part was awesome. And then, I mean, the baseball is just unreal. It was really good baseball, um, clean, fast paced, absolutely loved it. Um, and then I ended up making the team. So, we fly out to Taiwan. Um, we get to go to Taiwan. Never been in that culture before. And, um, dude, it was it was very different. Uh, I was uncomfortable out there. Um, but it was it was cool to experience with the guys. Um, just get to see that different culture was, was very cool. And in Taiwan, this was the sucky part. I ended up getting crazy sick on the second day. So we're, we're, we uh, had like a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride to some ballpark in the middle of 
Taiwan and um, we get we get a rain delay and our translators like hey you guys want some pizza and all this and uh, we're like yeah you know we, we had been eating the Taiwanese food the full day we were already kind of tired of it and um, so he brings us he's like yeah there's you know there's Domino's down the street so he brings us the pizza and we got like a seafood pizza and then like octopus pizza that's what that's what our choices were so we're like a little bummed out everyone's starving so everyone's crushing that seafood pizza and obviously no one's really eating the octopus pizza so i was like i'm like i like to eat and i was like hey i'm in a different culture i'm gonna try the octopus pizza and i i ate it um it wasn't all that great and so the game gets going and i'm sitting with my buddy chris mcmahon and reed detmers and we're charting and i'm like dude you know, my stomach's hurting pretty bad. I was like, <laughs> I was like, bro, I'm not feeling good. Like, I got to go. Like, I need you to take over this chart for me. And they're like, all right, bro. Like, and I, I pretty much stayed in the bathroom the entire game. And it was brutal. So we get back on the bus, and we have a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour bus ride back to Taichung City. And I'm, like, feeling just, just, just like crap. I'm like, hopefully I can fall asleep. So I end up falling asleep, wake up when we get there. And, you know, like, my body just had chills. I was like, dude, this is not good. Went and took my temperature. It was 103 that night, like, whenever I got back. And it stayed like that for pretty much two weeks. So I I went that whole week just feeling like crap. Tried to pitch on the last day. I was begging for the ball. They didn't let me. And, um, you know, just going to the field was brutal. It was like I, I could barely get out of bed. Um, so it, it was a, it was a tough experience out in Taiwan. And then I got back home and it just kind of carried throughout the next week. And I ended up losing like 15 pounds. Um, I just couldn't hold anything down. I was just puking and running fever and my, I just felt like crap. So I don't know. Everyone's always like, dude, we think you brought over the first Corona. Case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Hey, I might've like, I might've just ruined it for everyone. Like, but but, I mean, other than that, it was a fun experience. Yeah, dude, Stephen playing with Team USA, there must have just been absolute dogs on that team. Who was the best player, you think, on that team? Like, a guy that's probably going to go first overall next year. Or or this year, sorry, or top five picks. I mean, there's there's there was a ton of first-rounders on that team. I think the person that performed the best was my boy Heston Kerstad from Arkansas. Dude, it was, it was like, legit ridiculous. Like, every time he went up to the plate and barreled the ball every single time, I mean. I think his stat throughout the whole USA summer, he hit like 571, oh my God. like three or four jacks, and just like it was a double. Like it was either legit a double or a bomb. Like it seemed like every time he's going up there and watching that dude's BP, I mean, I was shagging. I would always go like to right field whenever he's up. I was like, he's just hitting balls over my head. Like it was so fun to watch. And then you got, you know, you got – the rest of the team that is all projected first rounder. So it was just like, it was really cool competition and it was fun to be around. Yeah. Dude, that guy, like I couldn't imagine like getting hot at that specific time. Like just you're yeah. playing for team USA. All the eyes are on you. The scouts are watching you and you hit 571. Like it, that, that just literally puts you guaranteed in the first round. Yeah. And you, like, yeah. Think about who he was doing it against. I mean, it wasn't just scrubs out there. It was it was the best pitching in college baseball. And then, like, we were playing, like, 
Taiwanese teams, and they're just doing funky stuff, you know, and a couple guys are struggling. He was just, yeah, yeah, just like it. It was unfazed, and like it, it was so impressive to watch. It was, it was crazy. And <laughs> I could, like I said, man, I'm just at a loss of words that this guy had 571, which is just incredible. What yeah. were your stats like for Team USA? Were you just carving people's asses up? I mean, it it was all right. I mean, I was I was doing okay. I, I did well enough to go make the team. Um, I got I got a relief appearance against Cuba, um, but it, it was hard. You know, there's a lot of pitchers, so like you get an appearance and then you kind of wait a little bit, get an appearance. So I, I really only had three appearances: two in camp and then against Cuba, and which was dope. It was like the July Fourth weekend. Um, it was at the Bull Bull Durham Stadium. Um, listen to the, you know your your country song with USA across your chest on July Fourth. It was sick. Um, but yeah, I, I I did all right. I mean, I did well. I was I, I was throwing strikes, doing what doing what I could. Um, and then I didn't I didn't get an appearance in Taiwan, um, so so that stunk. I, I was really hoping to pitch there, but it, it was it, it was good for me. See, I mean, technically, when you went to Taiwan, you got a free trip. I mean, you got a free trip to Taiwan and get to watch baseball. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that- that's what I like. That's what I used to say when I would play, like when I was in junior college, when we'd like travel to Colorado and I wouldn't get an AB in four games. I'd be like, I just got a free trip. <laughs> I just got, a, I just got a free trip to Colorado with no AB. So I, I don't, no stress, no stress. Got to send the dugout, pack a couple lips, talk to my friends, and just watch baseball. I mean, I was living the dream, man. Yeah, for sure. No and. uh and yeah, so I got a couple more questions here because well, obviously we're gonna probably get you on after the draft because you, you you won't be able to fly down to the city, bad right. bounce, whatever. But um, what what do you think? Who do you think is gonna be the first one in your family that's gonna just break down in tears when they hear Cade Cavalli gets drafted in the first round by the blank? I don't know who it's gonna be by. I'm gonna guess the Angels in the tenth tenth overall. But the, I already said that. Yeah. Who who do you think's gonna cry first here? I mean, I think it's – I truly think it's 50-50 between my, my dad and mom. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. I'll probably cry. Like, once I see them cry, it's going to kind of, like, set me over a little bit because we've been th- through so much together, and, you know, they, they, they've been there by my side the whole time. So, like, it, it'll be a very emotional day. I think I think it's going to be a 50-50. I'm probably going to go upstairs and make a bet with Tristan right now, actually, over my mom and dad. Right now, I think I'm going to have to take my mom in that one. Um, I think she'll, she, it'll come out of her eyes a little bit easier. Um, but I'm probably gonna go put some money on it with Tristan here in a little bit, my brother. <laughs> and is your dad going to be like that sneaky guy that you see on the MLB network? That's just absolutely just yoked like jacked and just Twitter's blowing up with Mr. Cavalli's yoked. We got to sign this guy to a big league club. No, that's funny. You say that. So the dude, whenever he was playing and, Whenever he was a little younger, he he was yoked, you know. Um, like I think we talked about in the last podcast, talking about jeans and the family. Um, so I got a lot of tall tall family members. Um, my sister's six foot. My brother's like six two. My dad's six two. My mom's five ten. Um, they're all basketball players. Um, my mom and sister. My dad played baseball. My brother played baseball. Um, so there's good genes. But it's funny you say that because. We we've been he's kind of let his body go a little bit over these last like five or six years, and we we just talk crap on him all the time. We're like, dude, get in the gym. You got to start eating right, and like, 
it's funny. He, he, you know, like he went vegan for like a year and he, he was starting to look right and stuff. And then just everything went haywire. And now he's back to just kind of like a little sloppy. And we always give him crap about it. And every day he'll be like, he's like, in August, I'll be an underwear model or something like that. I'm like, yeah, we'll keep talking pops. Like, we got to see you in the gym at least one time a week for that to even happen. But, um, no, it's a funny little joke going on with the family. But there will be no Twitter, um, anything going viral about how my, da- my dad looks. That's for sure. The thing that I kind of think, because you mentioned last episode that we recorded that your brother was kind of like a bodybuilder kind of yoke. Like, do you think yeah. he might be that sneaky guy? Like, do you think he's going to, like, let me say this. Do you think your brother's going to wear a little bit of a tighter shirt on the sleeves so people I, on MLB Network are going to be like, damn, <laughs> we got to draft this guy too? A hundred percent. Like you said, you know, you're talking about you can't bring your girlfriend around Cole or stuff like that. Dude, it sucks. I'm like, Nervous to even invite like a girl over to my house because they're gonna fall in love with my brother, you know. He's like, he's legit. Me, Cole, like all the buddies are like, dude, why can't we look like Tristan? He's just stacked. Um, he looks like a model. Um, it's tr- it's truly ridiculous. And like every girl that like I've ever talked to or anything, they're just like, Kate, I love your brother. Like blah blah blah. Like <laughs> my friend and like all this. I'm like, dude, it's so easy for that guy. Like it's it's truly so easy. Um. But you know he's got a, he's got a good girlfriend, um, so he's taken. But I, I could see, I legit could see someone like zooming in on my brother and being like, "Who's that guy?" and stuff like that. Like he's, you'll see, he's absolutely stacked and just a model-looking face. It's, it's unfair, really. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, going into tomorrow's draft, I'm, I have three teams that I think are going to get selected by. First off, I always got to mention this team. My Toronto Blue Jays and in Canada, that'd be if you like if you got drafted by the if you got drafted by the Blue Jays. Let me just say this: if you thought I would was getting drunk tomorrow just based off the fact you're getting drafted, if you got drafted by the Blue Jays, it would be game over. I would I, I might have to just get sent to the Milton Hospital because I would have got so mangled. But my three teams: the Toronto Blue Jays at five, I believe they are right. Toronto Blue Jays at five. Yep. Or the Los Angeles Angels who are at ten. Right. You and Mike Trout and Otani. I called you the Oklahoma you know, Oklahoma Sooner Otani. And then we got a sneaky team coming in hot at 13. Cole Franklin, Chicago Cubs, I believe, right? Are they at 13? I think the Cubs got like 15 or 16. Okay, there it is. I, my research wasn't good. It might be the Phillies at 13. Okay, so... So the Phillies are the like I said anywhere from thirteen to fifteen. But could you imagine Cole Franklin pulls some strings here, gets you by, by the Cubs? That would be electric. We had so many conversations about that. That would be sweet. Um, and then I think uh, Jensen. Do you know Ryan Jensen? Yeah, he, we've had Jensen on the podcast. We've had Brennan Davis. We're pretty much a Cubs podcast. Down tomorrow, and then uh, B Brennan. He's coming down on Friday night. So all the boys will be in town. It'll be sick. Um, and I, I know you know all of them. So yeah, if you got dra- if if you got drafted by the Cubs, like I'd have to change this podcast to something to deal with the Cubs because I, I mean we've had Brennan Davis, Cole Franklin, Ryan Jensen, and now I guess you if if you got drafted by the Cubs, man. But like yeah. I said, um, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to it, man, because it's really cool from my standpoint. I always say this, like being a guy, like. I never would have thought if you would have told me like three years ago that I'd be interviewing first round draft picks like or 
Amir Garrett or just big time major leaguers like this, I would have told you you're an idiot. And I would have told you I'd be working at uh, Walmart. I, w- I would told you I'd be doing this kind of stuff, man. So every once in a while, I kind of step back and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this shit. But like yeah. I said, like I said, man, it's like I'm fired up for you, you specifically tomorrow, man. It's going to be it's going to be weird, obviously, to see you as we're talking face to face on my TV MLB network celebrating getting drafted. But yeah. um yeah, man. Like I said, man, I'm just uh, fired up for you. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously proud to even know you and all that kind of stuff, man. And good luck tomorrow, bro. I mean, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be surreal. It's like one of those moments you kind of grow up dreaming about getting drafted in the first round, man. So, just, I just, best of luck tomorrow, man. I appreciate you hopping on this, dude. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I, I enjoy podcasts a ton. It's awesome what you're doing. I appreciate that, man. And now we're going to cut it to our guy, Nate Pearson, first-round draft pick, number one prospect in the Jays. Ever heard of the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, number one prospect. Kind of the same guy as Cade here, a guy that came out of university just throwing absolute gasolina. So just tune into this. And Cade obviously gave some good advice for you in this episode. So obviously just tune in, man, and uh, thank you guys for listening. All right, we are here with a very special guest. I've, we've had him on before. He's a recurring guest. He's my friend, actually. Can I, can I consider you a friend? Yeah, man, of course. Good friend. We're really good friends. Like I said, he's the prodigal son. If you saw him, you saw him carving in spring training. It is my pleasure to welcome back my boy, Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect, Nate Pearson. What is up, Nate? How's it going, my brother? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me on again. Well, dude, like I said, man, um, I consider you a friend of mine, whether it's if that's one way or two way. I can uh, you might be a guy that might have a little bit of potential here to be in my wedding party. That, that's how <laughs> close I consider. You. Just ju- I just wanted to put that on the record. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So just just be prepared for that. Whenever that happens, you might you probably will be in my wedding party. So besides the fact I wanted to get into it here, um, we're in a weird time. If things were going normal for me and you right now, you'd be pitching at the Rogers Center. I'd be in the 100 level wearing my Nate Pearson jersey or maybe maybe just rock showing my Nate Pearson future tattoo that I'm going to be getting in the Rogers Center. So how weird of an adjustment has this been for you not playing baseball in the month of June now? Yeah, no, it's definitely weird. I don't think I've – I don't remember the last time I really experienced a, a summer in Florida because the past, like, three years I've been playing baseball somewhere – anywhere but here so it's a little weird uh forgot how hot it gets and humid and uh and everything it gets but you know it's it's definitely weird times to be here in june oh it definitely is and i wanted to just read something out here because i don't know if this is a coincidence or just me and you being such i guess guys that understand each other i'm gonna read your stats in spring training ever since you met me and we became friends so here we go you went you pitched four games Seven innings, two hits, one earned run, 11 strikeouts, and three walks. So is that a coincidence that your stats all of a sudden just skyrocketed since you since we kind of be- mingled and became friends? Yeah, maybe there is something to it. Maybe uh, I need to get back on this podcast, and then now that once I get off, we'll be able to start playing again. <laughs> and in all seriousness, man, I wanted to talk about that spring training because you and the Toronto sports media – were kind of like an urban legend. They were all talking about you like you're the the second coming, you're the goat, and I respect it. I was just sitting there listening to it, being like, "Yeah, he is the goat." About time you guys realized it. How surreal was spring training for you, man? Like that was just 
incredible to watch. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty pretty amazing just to be a part of that in that clubhouse with all these big leaders. You know, I don't have any big league time yet, but just being able to uh, see Ken Giles down the locker for me, you know, a few lockers over, and then see Ryu, the guy that we just brought in, and like see all these big time guys that have been in the league for a while, and just being able to be, share the locker room with them and just being able to talk to them and you know just hang out was was pretty awesome for me. Oh man, I remember I, I watched your I believe I watched your start uh against the Pittsburgh Pirates where you came in in relief and I actually kind of broke down the footage and tweeted it. Did you happen to see that video? Because you didn't retweet it, so I was just wondering if you happen to see to no, see my so little my breakdown. I was kind of off social media during spring training because I gave it up for Lent. Because I was I was I'm raised Catholic, so we give up something for Lent, uh kind of like a sacrifice for like uh, as long as Lent goes, and it's about like a month and a half till, and it ends on Easter. And so I gave up social media, so I wasn't really on it. So I didn't really see all the videos that everyone was tagging me in or the Blue Jays were making. So I was kind of like low-key. That's probably why I did so well, honestly. Okay, well, this is what we're going to do now. So every time you give up social media, I say you hand the reins over to me. And I'll try to keep it as appropriate. I'll try to keep it as – I'm going to keep it as appropriate as possible. But you got to keep the people going here like – I just just picture this. I mean, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to go off social media for 40 days, which is what Lent is, I believe. How was that hard for you to just not even be able to look at your phone on Twitter or anything? Oh man, it was so hard, especially when I was having the success that I was having and I knew I knew like I was blowing up on social media through the whole spring training and all my friends were like they were talking about it. I'm just like I haven't seen it, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh they would they would pull up some videos or some tweets and I would just see like you know just those things but uh, for the most part yeah I didn't really see I just heard my friends talking about it how it was blown up on social media and everything so it was pretty cool to hear. If anything, man, it, I would kind of consider that like kind of like a punishment. Like that's when you like this is the moment you've kind of reached not your peak, but this is where you're you're kind of starting to get very, very popular in the baseball world, and you weren't even allowed to kind of see it and kind of see what's happening with your name on Twitter because, dude, you were trending, and, and I believe Canada, like on Twitter, you were trending, and I was like, and this might be a little bit cheesy and weird, but I was honored to even know you. You were trending on Twitter. I was like, this guy is this guy is going to be something serious in Toronto if he's already trending on Twitter on spring training, man. So, would you consider that like did part did did you almost cheat once or twice with the social media? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Like, I think halfway through after one after my like third start, I did really well, and then uh, I just I logged in real quick just to see notifications, and I just got tons of notifications and i just immediately got off because i was like this is why i got this is why i wasn't on it but uh uh i did i did sneak a couple peeks here and there oh dude i definitely would have and that video that you posted on instagram and twitter i believe of like just close up of you throwing a fastball or whatever it was off the bump it it gave me chills like it, it looked like so, it looked like watching like a whale jump out of the ocean and just peacefully land in the water like that's what your that's what your motion kind of looked like and when 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 you're getting that many notifications and you are off social media did you have to like delete the twitter instagram all that kind of stuff because your phone probably was legitimately blowing up with notifications oh, yeah yeah no i just i sign out of the apps or you know delete the apps and then just re-download them and sign in again but uh yeah i just i had to get the notifications from stop popping up so i would just log out what would you say 
Yeah, what would you say was the most impressive part of your spring training? Because for me, it was when you went up against, I believe it was the Yankees. It wasn't televised, obviously, because yeah, baseball doesn't want to promote it. It wasn't televised, but I'm just looking at the stat line here. I'm following on MLB.com, and I'm just like, is this guy like, is he pitching against little leaguers? Like these are like the Yankees. Like I had no idea what was going on. What would you say for you was the most impressive part of the spring training you had? It was definitely getting my first big league start in spring training. And then I knew I was only throwing one in and ended up came the side. I think that was the biggest highlight. And it kind of just set my whole momentum, the whole spring training. Um, just, just that, that whole momentum just, just kind of carried me through each start. And I was able to keep up the intensity and the, and uh, and my pitches and everything, and it was just I was in a really good headspace too. And what was like management saying to you, like Charlie Montoya or like Ross Atkins, those kind of guys? Were they just pumping your tires like I do, or a little bit more than me, or what were they saying? No, they were kind of they weren't really talking to me that much because I know they were facing tons of questions after each each time I'd throw, they would get flooded with questions like, "Oh, what you think about Pearson? You think he's gonna make the team?" And they're like, "No, he's not gonna make the team. He's gonna go to AAA where we already planned." And so I think they're just trying to avoid that. I mean, they'd say, what's up with me? What's up to me and everything. And we'd talk, but uh, they kind of just left it at that. They kinda, we're, we're both kind of just do that. Like, I know you're getting hounded with questions and I'm definitely getting hounded with questions, <laughs> like questions. So it's, it was pretty funny to see. And then Charlie, Charlie's a man, a few words. He would just kind of shake my hand, like, good job, man, as expected <laughs> or as a, or the legend's true or whatever. So, I mean, I was just trying to do my part really. Oh man, like it it, it kind of sucks because especially with the Toronto media, um, they really like pushing these kind of questions. Like you'll see it with the hockey contract talk with like Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. Is like they'll ask the same questions every single day and think they're gonna get a new answer, but they never do. <laughs> like how many times do you think that you got asked? Do you think you're ready for the big leagues and are you ready to take that next step? Like do you think you were asked that over fifty times? Yeah, probably even more because one guy would ask me the question and then I'd, I'd answer it kind of basically just dodge it. It'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm waiting to see when uh, uh, when they think I'm ready. Uh, you know, I'll start trying to get off a good foot in AAA. You know, just just an auto answer. Just every single time I'd say that. <laughs> and then I'd go to the next person and they would just rephrase it. And they would just be like, you know, we, we've been talking to Ross and uh, – uh, he says you, you need some more development and before you reach the, the big league level. And uh, what do you think about that? And that's basically the same question. It's just like, <laughs> and I was just like, well, as I said, uh, and just repeat the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's really just, you get asked so many, so many of the same questions in different ways. You just have to have one answer and just kind of roll with it. It's incredible. And people are always like, like, uh, why, why do players hate the media? Like, the, it's pretty cool. simple why it's pretty simple why the players hate the media. Could you imagine being a guy like Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, LeBron James, where you get asked literally the same question, did not like weeks weeks at a time, days at a time, yearly the same question all the, all the time. I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like, man. So people are like, why do you guys? Why do athletes hate the media? That's pretty simple why they hate the media because Nate Pearson was asked 50 times if he's ready for the big leagues. Like, did, I, I, did, did part of you just want to say, like, listen, man, I already I answered this question. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say here. Yeah, you know, so, like, they, they gave us a whole – we have a whole media team, and uh, they kind of brief us right before they're about to bring all these reporters in. Like, 
All right, Nate, I guess you can probably guess what they're going to ask you this time. So, you know, just be ready for it. You know, uh, try, try to remain calm. You know, don't get frustrated because they may ask you a few times in different ways. So they kind of prep you for it and calm you down so you're not just going to like, man, I just answered that question. Because you don't want to be – you don't want to get aggravated with the media because then – because uh, they're all, all they're trying to do is just write a story, and yeah. whatever you give them, they're either going to make it a good one or a bad one. You know, so you want to make you want to make sure it's a good one. So you want to kind of stay, you know, just listen to them and answer their questions. It may just be the same answer each time, but you don't want to you don't want to upset anyone. And like they're not trying to upset me; they're just doing their job. That's that's what I have to keep telling myself. But I mean, for guys like LeBron James, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, to be that high level of an athlete and to be talking to the media every day. And the media at that point is kind of just looking for something to write about. And they're just digging, you know, whether it's good or bad. And they're either trying to, like, they're not trying to, like, ruin careers or anything, but they're trying to write the best story that anyone can get and, you know, make the most money off of it. So whether that's good or bad, it's up to them, really. Yeah, I know. It definitely is. And here, let's give you a chance to pump my tires here. Is that why you think that people kind of – like guys like you would come back on this podcast because like I said, I keep it different here. Do you think that I would classify myself above reporters and media? Yeah. Cause I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say you're like the media. It's like, it's like totally different. We're having a conversation and it's just recorded. Like it's, there, it's loose. It's, it's more personal. It's not just like, Hey man, you think you're ready for the big leagues? And I give like an auto script <laughs> answer. And then you go to the next question. Like we're having a conversation. There's laughs. There's like dialogue. There's like I say an answer, and then you comment on the answer. And it's not just like a scripted thing. So it's a lot, lot more easier. And that's something that might have to go on my grave. Is Nate Pearson approved this podcast? Because it's just <laughs> you just love to see it. Like if people, first time listeners that are maybe listening to this episode, they're gonna hear you say that. And they're gonna be like, I love this stuff. And and what I also wanted to bring up about your spring training was, did you happen to kind of see a little bit more kids starting to recognize who you are or even like a couple Nate Pearson jerseys around Dunedin? Uh, I didn't really see any jerseys, but I definitely noticed a lot more people were starting to notice me. Like, like without having my jersey on and kind of just going out and throwing, oh, I hear, oh, that's Nate Pearson, oh, that's Nate Pearson. You know, I had a, lot of, uh, a lot of older, like, autograph guys would know who I am, but like, it was cool to see like the kids, the kids that came down for spring training and, or the, the younger kids, you know, just be able to know or recognize who I am. Cause I don't have like a distinct feature besides that. I'm just really tall. Like Bo, Bo flows has the flow. Vladdy's got the dreads, you know, like they all have signature things. So I kind of blend in with all the other six, six pitchers we have, yeah. but uh, it's pretty cool that they are able to notice me. And yeah, you mentioned the young guys in the blue Jays, like Bo and Vladdy. And, this is something that happened recently with me. I was on an Instagram live with your boy. I guess we can call him my boy too. I'm getting pretty close to him. Kevin Smith. Uh, we were on Instagram live and your friend, I believe, Calvin Biggio tuned into the Instagram live and I stated this. This is what I said to him. I said, Calvin, if you come on this podcast, I will willingly shave my head on Twitter, Instagram live, whatever you want. If you come on this podcast, that's my offer to you. Do you think Calvin Biggio would kind of do something like this, like a podcast kind of like this, where it's a little bit more loose, less conservative? Yeah, I think I think he had to. He would have to watch one first because he's kind of a uh, not. I don't want to say to himself, but like if he, if he doesn't know you, he's not going to be all like like wanting to come meet you. You know, like he's kind of like. Uh, if he knows a bunch of other people that know you, he'll come on the show kind of like if he sees like I'm I, I'm coming back on or Kevin's on or, you know, some of his teammates, he knows that basically like he can trust you basically. So but I, I, he's a good dude. I think you'd 
I think you'd like coming on. Oh, I mean, I I just love, like I said, I, I think the Blue Jays are a wagon. They're the most slept-on team in baseball. I'll say it time and time again. And did you also happen to see, you might have not, you like, you might have been on your Lent, but the Toronto Blue Jays actually put me in a virtual body bag on Twitter recently. I believe it was a really? month ago. Did you happen to see that? No, what happened? So anyways, this is the background of the story. I believe I told it with uh, Osek maybe. But anyways, so I said of the Toronto Blue Jays, I said to Lansing Lugnuts, if you guys retweet this podcast, I'll consider you guys North America's team. The Blue Jays did not fare well with the fact that Lansing Lugnut retweeted it, and they sent this kind of gift that was like saying, like, what are you talking about? So I responded to the Toronto Blue Jays, and I said, do you care to come onto the podcast and discuss, or do you care to confirm that you guys are fans of the official and official podcast? And they responded with a gift that said no, which just <laughs> honestly just... I, I was contemplating just snapping my phone. It was just, I called it Blue Jays Gate. I had no idea what was going on. I've been trying my, I'm working my ass off to pump their tires on this podcast. And the next thing you know, I get just absolutely roasted, which I respect. Did you, so you didn't happen to see that? No, I didn't happen to see that. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the whole thing with uh, Dave Portnoy and uh, NFL commissioner. I don't know if yeah. you've been following that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I've like been you. following that. Hopefully you don't build that kind of relationship with uh, the Blue Jays, but I mean, no, I, out for him. I will never, I will never build that relationship with the Blue Jays. Like I said with Kevin, once you guys win the World Series, I'm going to be on that party bus. Like Kevin already, <laughs> Kevin already pretty much, I think he guaranteed it. Like I'll, I'll be on the bus, but it's like, I will never cut ties with the Blue Jays. They can roast me all they want. I could be their doormat. They can walk all over me. That's how much of a Blue Jays guy that I am for you and for, and for everyone on this podcast. But do you, so when you, when you were going through that, I want to talk about spring training and people are going to say, why does guy keep talking about spring training? Because you literally just carved the whole spring training. What, what do you think was going right for you every start? Were you doing the same thing or were you just kind of preparing really good or you're just really focused? I was just really focused, man. I knew each time I was going to throw, uh, I only got one start. So that's when I was, I was able to stay in my starter routine for that first start. I think that's why I did so well that first time, but the other, other, uh, uh, three times I came out of the bullpen and threw two innings. So it was a little bit different. I've never really, I haven't come out of the bullpen since freshman year in college. So it was a little different for me. So I had to kind of approach it like in a relievers, uh, kind of way, like they play catch before the game, you know, uh, as a starter, I play catch right before the game, like, and then I go warm up. And when you're relieving, you play catch before the game, then you go sit in the bullpen for a little bit, a couple of innings for the starter, and then you start getting ready. So it was a little bit different, but I was able to uh, find a good routine to do to keep me ready and uh, stay focused, more importantly. No, that, like, like uh, I think that's what I lacked my whole career was focus. I would just always be just worried about how uh, how I looked on the field compared to how I played, which is definitely why I'm probably I'm actually interviewing you now and I'm not on the show. But during who's one guy during spring training that you kind of got closer with on the Blue Jays, on the big league club, or even just in the minors? Who's one guy that you can say now like we're a little bit closer after spring training than we were before spring training? Man, there's a few. So, I mean, I, I kind of got closer to everyone. I, I mean, I really got to – this was the first time I'm in Big League camp, so I got to meet so many so many dudes, and they're all great dudes. You know, I got I got close with uh, uh, Julian Merriweather, another pitcher, Patrick Murphy, another pitcher, uh, Chase Anderson. He's an older yep. guy, but he's, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, me and him were talking all the time. Um, uh, who else, man? I just, the list goes on, like – Anthony Kay is a good dude. Uh, Jordan Romano, 
you know, the list goes on. All those pitchers, we kind of were all in tune. Like, you know, we all kind of like mess with each other and kind of push each other. And uh, uh, but it's it's all fun, especially yeah. when we're all we're all we're throwing pretty well too. So it's it was a good spring training for us. No, for sure. I mean, everyone was just carving. Like, I, if you look at, like, even Trent, who we had on the pod, I believe, like, um, two months ago, we had Trent Thornton on. And he, like, I mean, he was just carving in spring training, too. He had a pretty good spring. So, yeah, yeah just everyone was kind of looking good. The team was looking great. And the next thing you know, the season's gone. So, I wanted to ask you about that. Where were you when you kind of found out that baseball is going to be postponed and you guys had to kind of go home, I guess? Uh, Right before I went in for my final outing. <laughs> I was... Uh... <laughs> I was, uh, so we woke up, I, I threw the last day, I threw the last day before they shut everything down. And so we all, that, that night before that, I remember the NBA suspended the rest of their season. I'm like, oh man, like I'm, I may not even throw tomorrow. Like we may not even play. Like we're going to wake up and tell, they're going to tell us to stay home. Like that's, I think that's, what's going to be the, the thing. So I kind of went to bed like, all right, I got to stay focused. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch tomorrow. I have to treat it like that until they tell me otherwise. And so the whole morning, everyone's like, are we playing? Are we playing? Like, you know, like where everyone's freaking out, waiting to hear what MLB's going to say. And so we, and we're, we had to drive to Bradenton. So I'm in my car and I'm driving to Bradenton and I'm not on like the team bus or anything. I'm just waiting for someone to call me and say, like, Hey man, just go on, head home. We're not playing. But we get there and then like everyone's freaking out. Cause, uh, Donovan Mitchell got it. And like, it's all over the news and the clubhouse. Everyone's watching it. Bo's freaking out. Like, should we play, man? Like, should we say something or what? Or like, and Biggio is doing the same thing. We're kind of just all just, just talking about it. And we're like, I guess we're playing, man. Like, I guess we'll just go play. And then maybe they'll pull us off in the middle of the game or whatever. And so we start the game. And I think I came behind Trent. Trent's throwing. He gets his three innings in. And then I was supposed to go three. But then right before I was about to start warming up, they came out and said, this will be the last game of spring training. Spring training will be suspended. And I was just like, oh, so can I, am I throwing now or like, all right, so we're finishing the game. I was like, okay, all right, we're finishing the game. So I started warming up and then they, and they told me, it's like, Hey, you're only going two this time. There's no point of pushing you since we're about to be shut down for who knows how long they're saying, they're saying a couple weeks, but who knows how long it ended up being. I don't even know what week it is. It's been, it's been like two months. So it's been way more than two weeks, but uh, yeah. So I just, I just treated it like it was, this is going to be my last, last outing for who knows how long man so make it make it work but it was was it, it was not my best start i ended up giving up a run it was my first run of spring oh, training God. but but you know strikeouts were good everything else was good but you know it was, it was a little bit different kind of battling that that focus factor like like are we playing like can i check out yet you know like so it was it was a little different yeah, and I mean, God forbid, eh? Like, you, you, you let her run. You just, I mean, this is what I'm talking about, about I'm a Nate Pearson stand of the day I die. This guy's getting mad about giving up a run. That's a guy you want to <laughs> run through a brick wall for. The guy that gets mad about giving up a run. You just love to see it. And, and we're a week away from the draft, man. We talked about it on your episode when we, when we did the full hour episode. Um. Let, let's go back in time here. What was kind of running through your head at this point when you were a week away from the draft? Because we, I, like I told you earlier, like the first part of this episode has Cade Cavalli, who was a, who's projected to go top fifteen picks in the draft, and he kind of and he kind of told us he's like just his mind's everywhere, right? What was kind of your thought process the week before the draft? Man, it's the craziest week of your life. Like you're thinking, you're picturing yourself in each organization, so you know, especially if you're a, a 
like a decently high pick. Like I was into the first round and I knew I could go from anywhere from 20 to like second round. So I'm looking at those picks. I'm like, man, what if I'm a New York Met? What if I'm a Yankee? Yo, what if I'm a Red Sox? Like you're putting yourself in all these different teams. Like, man, I never thought I'd be in a, a Mariners uniform. Like, you know, you're just thinking about, I said the same thing about the Blue Jays. I'm like, dang, the Blue Jays, Canada. That's pretty wild. That'd be pretty sick. You know, and so, like, I'm thinking of all these different things. I really just wanted to go in the first round. I was really just the, the whole thing. I want to be a first-rounder, and that's what I worked so hard for. And then draft day comes, and, man, that's the craziest day. There are so many different levels of emotions. There was, like, uh, I was ecstatic, but then I was also, like, freaking out. And then I was ecstatic, and I was freaking out. And so I had a, I had a draft party, and I had all my friends and family, close, close relatives. I had about, like, 50 people over here all crammed in the house. And we were watching it and like the they everyone makes it for like the like the start of the draft and a lot of a lot of friends and family members don't know how the draft works. Like I know I know the range of picks that I'm gonna be drafted in. And so the first couple picks start going off and and they're like, Oh man, like dang it, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't go first overall. And I, I'm just freaking out. Like you guys, you guys thought I was going first overall. I'm supposed to be into the first round, guys. Like we're we got like at least another hour and a half before we have to start freaking out if I'm going to get picked or not. And I was like, and my mom wasn't handling it well either, so I was freaking out. My dad's just like a statue in the back, kind of just like motionless. It was just like, oh man, I was I was freaking out. And my girl, I had my girlfriend there trying to calm me down. And it was, you know, it was. But once, dude, once your name gets called and you see it on TV, everything goes away. Like, your whole body just kind of just goes numb, and, like, you get so emotional, and you're like, man, it, it happened. Like, it actually happened. You see your name come up. You see your video, your highlight reel. They start talking about you, and I'm just like, man, I never thought I'd be on MLB Network. That's insane. Like, I really just got – one of my dreams came true right now, and it's, you know, it's an awesome moment to be with your family and friends and just celebrate that. Yeah, it's honestly surreal. And like, and I feel like the advice that I kind of gave to Cade was, is like, I was never in that position, was just kind of stay in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it happens once. You get drafted in the first round once. It's only going to happen once in your life, and not many people on the planet will ever, ever get to experience going first round in the MLB draft. So what would be like a piece of advice that you would give him kind of leading up to the draft or on draft day or even after draft day? You know, I would just tell him to just take it all in and kind of exactly what you said. Just when you wake up in the morning, like, remember how it feels. Because, like, after that day, your life changes. Like, it's totally different. You're viewed as not just a college player. You're a professional. And, like, you get treated like it. Uh, people start treating you differently. Like, coming out of the woodworks, everyone's, like, everyone's texting you. I would just be in the moment and just realize – like this is one of your highlights of your whole career and like, you're never going to get this day back. So just remember everything you can and take all the emotions in. Cause it, it's going to be a day you're going to remember for the rest of your life. No, exactly. And here, here's a question that's also about the draft, which is just, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Just having five rounds. Like what is your thought process on having the five rounds and then guys that would be potential six round picks only getting 20 K max. Like, I feel like that's kind of just kind of ripping away someone's dream of kind of going high and getting money and being able to support their family, right? What are your thoughts on only having five rounds in the MLB draft? Man, that's so tough. You just got to feel for all those guys because, like, if you're not in the first five rounds, you're getting 20 grand. That's like, no. Like, in the sixth round, you're making still decent money, like a couple hundred thousand. Like, it's totally different than 20 grand. I think you're going to see a lot of guys – 
a lot of high schoolers and a lot of uh, uh, maybe some young college guys, some draft eligible sophomores, they're all going to go back for their, their extra eligibility year. And the guys in high school that are usually, you know, cause every draft there's usually a handful of high school guys that will go in like the 10th the round or whatever, but they'll get extra money from that, from what they say from their top picks. And so they'll be able to sign these high school kids for like 400,000, but they're in the 10th round. So they can't really do that this year. So it's totally different. So I think all those guys are going to kind of miss out and they're going to have to go to college or go back for another year. And uh, just so everything goes back to normal. So we go back to the 40 rounds. And so more people will have a chance. No, yeah, it just for me, especially knowing a couple guys that maybe were on the bubble of going fifth or sixth round, I couldn't even imagine what that could be like going into your junior year. You're, you're playing well. Um, you're expected to kind of go, like I said, you're on the bubble, fourth to sixth round. Next thing you know, your season's cut short. You can't even really show the scouts what else you have. And you have to take $20,000 if you go in the sixth round, which is pretty high in the draft. So it's, it's, it's just, it, it's for me, it's kind of just like kind of taking away from these kids' careers having them go in the sick if you if you don't go in the fifth round you only get 20k like do you like i don't know i don't know how i feel about that man it kind of just rubs me the wrong way and what i kind of think is is i think the juco route would be a great thing for high school kids if they want to play JUCO one year it's always a good route it, it, no it, yeah exactly i'm a juco bandit just like yourself and and juco i believe you could correct me on this. It, you could get drafted after your freshman year or sophomore year. So you're only there for two years compared to if you go D1, you have to be there for three, right? Yeah. So I feel like a, a high school kid that maybe is going to go in the sixth round or if there was a sixth round, maybe go Juco, man. I feel like that'd be the appropriate way to go. Yeah, that would definitely be the way to go. You know, I just, uh, I'm thinking about the draft and everything and like all these guys' seasons got cut short. So they didn't get that end of the season, like helium, that draft stock rise that they, potentially could get because like if if we were to go back to my year and this would happen and i wouldn't be able to finish my season i w- i probably wouldn't have been a top five round pick because just on the sole fact that i i got all my stock like draft stock rose towards the end of the season like i proved i got velo jumps toward the end of the season you know my off speed sharpened up a little bit and i got that i was able to put myself and kind of bully my way into the first round uh just because they couldn't they couldn't like they're using that just just the fact that I'm from a JUCO, they're using that against me, kind of like a stigma, you know. Like so, I had to prove that, I had to break down that wall. And like if I didn't have those the the extra amount of time in season, I don't know if I would have even been drafted. I would probably would have gone to LSU or wherever, you know. So it'd been totally different. Yeah, it, it it's just a lot of factors that are pretty shitty here. But I got two more questions left for you. Because uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep this short. Because like I said, I want to get you back on when baseball's actually on, when people are actually yeah. gonna be dialed in, paying attention to this. My second last question is: Is what are your thoughts on kind of being a guy that potentially was gonna get called up, or obviously was gonna get called up at this time this year, like right now? What are your thoughts on the season being shortened? And and this is a question just based on a fan. Like, how does that affect your eligibility or? the contract talks like do you know if you if you start the season with the jays now does that affect your uh contract or anything like that yeah no it definitely does like it all it's all service time so if they were to let me start the season the short season right away in the big leagues i'd i'd probably get a full season uh of service time which is not going to happen um i i still think they're going to try to see what the service date uh manipulation date is it's probably only going to be two weeks into the season or something, you know, 
but they're they're going to keep me in a competitive environment so I stay ready basically so I don't I don't see myself getting to break with the team again even through this shortened season but I'll definitely be in there whenever that that date passes for sure yeah and yeah I mean I I just don't get this whole service time thing I mean I'm not the smartest I just have no idea what's going on with this kind of stuff and do do you think that having a shortened season would kind of put an asterisk beside the World Series champ or kind of affect how people look at the World Series champ? Or do you think it'd just be like the same as usual? I think I think it would I mean, no matter what, this season's gonna be remembered for decades and decades just because like it's a shortened season. We're gonna probably play like sixty less games or something. And like a lot of teams make their playoff runs late. They get that momentum and they get that push. Just like the exactly what the Nationals did. You know, they're they won, I don't know how many games they won in a row, or they're like they're like thirty two and two in the last like last month and a half of the season. That's what made them go get into the postseason, right? And so like if you don't have those extra games, it's kinda not that you put an asterisk by it because the team deserved it, whoever's going to win, but it's just going to be a little bit different because, like, you really didn't play a full season. Like, you really didn't, like, not many, like, a full season, a lot more guys go down, get hurt, et cetera. Like, a lot more things happen with uh, 30 or 40 extra games. So it's, uh, I mean, it's just a lot to think about. It's, it could be either way, but I think you just got to just let the, whoever wins it, you know, they just, they're World Series champs. You just got to give it to them because it's, they couldn't affect the circumstances, you know. It's just like every, every team for themselves. Yeah, this is my last question. I just read read this online. Um, being a pitcher, and when you guys play National League teams, obviously we're going to have to see big body Nate Pierce in the batter's box. Uh, baseball Reference actually simulated it. And do you want to know what your stats are in the batter's box in the two games that allegedly you have played in spring training or in, in the season? Probably uh, like what? One for four, maybe? Home no. They did you dirty, man. They did you dirty. It's 0 for 4 with two strikeouts and a ground into a double play. So, <laughs> so that's the simulated stats right now for Nate Pearson on June 3rd in the batter's box. He's 0 for 4 with two Ks and a ground into double play. Not great. Not great, I, Nate. I Not great at you, all, man. I can tell you for a fact that if there's a guy out first and I have less than uh, – if I have no outs or – if there's a potential of me swinging away and hitting the double play, I am not hitting the double play. I can tell you that I'm not. I'm not giving that pitcher two outs off me. That is that is not happening. I will I will bunt before that happens. It's an alpha move. It's an alpha move, bunting and saying, "Nah, I'm not getting a double play." But I, so there it is. We just got a guarantee from Nate Pearson that he will compete in the batter's box, which is like I said, we'll just love to see it. I can't wait, Nate. I honestly, I might have to Instagram live when you get your first at bat because this is going to be. <laughs> incredible because you can honestly i think you could swing it a little bit man i think you're doubting yourself no i mean i, I hit a little bit in college uh hit really good in high school um i can definitely uh, the powers there it's just you know the 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 strikeout numbers may be an issue but you know i mean the, the strikeout numbers is an issue for every power hitter you know what i mean so <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly man like I, I can't wait to see the moment you hit uh your first uh your first major league home run man whenever that happens that's gonna be incredible can we guarantee a bat flip maybe maybe a little bat flip oh i'll have to get it if i uh if i if i hit a bomb and i know for sure there's no doubt in my mind that it's it's going it's going out then i'll uh, maybe i'll flip it or whatever who depends who pitching man if it's one of my best friends i'll probably you know be low low key i won't embarrass them too much but 
but you know, try to be uh, civil about it. Yeah, no, that, like I said, stand-up guy, good guy. Well, anyways, though, man, I mean, we kind of got everything with it going with this podcast, and we talked about the big league season, the draft. I mean, the spring from God knows where that spring was from. That was just incredible to watch, man. It was a pleasure to do this, man. Like I said, it's future Blue Jays ace, the thick six god, as I called him, one of the legends of this podcast, one of my good friends, as I said, a potential wedding party candidate. It's my dear friend, Blue Jays' number one prospect, Nate Pearson, man. It's always a pleasure having you on, my man. Thanks for having me, man. It's always fun. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.